entrepreneurs were rooting ourselves in love and purpose. How do we build a sustainable venture to enable people to flourish? Any use of money is simply to serve this God on whom we are completely dependent. The only legacy that I care about is Jesus Christ. I don't care about my legacy. Jesus could kneel down and clean the feet of his disciples. If he can do that, he is God. Who are we? Entrepreneurship is changing Asia from within. Leaders across industries are taking up their God-given call to create. We are excited to highlight the many stories of what God is doing throughout our region. We will also feature entrepreneurs from around the world who have important things to say, no matter where they call home. Come for the content. Stay for the community. Welcome to Faith Driven Entrepreneur. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Asia podcast, where we spotlight entrepreneurs and innovators shaping the marketplace in our region. This week, we're talking with Ronald Ishak. Ronald has been building phone apps before it became trendy. He helped pioneer the Indonesian tech scene with platforms like Domicado, a lifestyle application for Blackberries. He was out there leading the charge before the days of iPhone domination, and he hasn't stopped innovating since. He has, however, changed his approach to innovation. Instead of developing the next big tech platform, he is developing the next generation of Indonesian tech leaders through his coding bootcamp, Hacktivate. He joins us today to talk about being an early leader in the industry, the importance of investing in new leaders, and how we can build great teams with great people. Let's listen in. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Asia podcast. As always, I'm here with my co-host and friend, Wen. Wen, good morning, good evening. Good morning, good evening. I think we keep saying that because we're in different time zones. Indeed, indeed. And uh, for those listening to us right now, which is the most important audience, it is indeed morning time. And when, as I've come to understand, is a great trooper because she would not characterize herself as being a morning person, yet here she is. When, thanks for joining. <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So when, when we did the intro podcast uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the fact that you and I both have these entrepreneurial backgrounds and, and you are an entrepreneur now, and you're also married to an entrepreneur. Uh, and over the course of the next couple of weeks, I want to dive into that just a little bit as before we meet our guests. But today, why don't you tell us a little bit about the thing that you've got going on? What's the what's the entrepreneurial uh, uh, initiative that you've got right now in Singapore? Yeah. Well, um, just to clarify, I am supporting an entrepreneur. Um, so I'm in like um, the team, you know, um, in the C-suite, uh, supporting a mental health tech startup uh, out of Australia. Um, and really looking at a concept called psychological health and safety. Um, so from an impact angle, I've, yeah, it's just really amazing in that workplaces uh, in Australia and other countries are soon going to be required uh, in, as a duty of care um, on legislation to provide a psychologically safe or mentally safe workplace. And that's kind of what we do. We provide the software to help employers do that, um, to understand awesome. what are the risk factors uh, in their workplaces that could lead to burnout or psychological injury. Uh, so I get the pleasure uh, both at FTE and at the um, at the startup to support entrepreneurs. I'm in there, you know, fundraising, helping them, listening to them, encouraging them. So kind of both my jobs kind of do the same thing, but on a very much closer basis at, um, yeah, at the mental health place. 
Okay, so I love that, and I think it's really important. I think that we've seen this in all facets of society over the last decade, but uh, that's going to be a topic we're going to be getting into a lot here on the podcast. Mental health is a really big deal among entrepreneurs. We talk a lot of, uh, a lot about the fact that being an entrepreneur can be a lonely journey, but it doesn't need to be. But the reality is that for a lot of people, um, being an entrepreneur, it's, I mean, it's really lonely. You're always selling something to somebody. Um, and you're selling something to your customers and you're selling something to employees who you want to join your team. Sometimes you're selling employees to not leave your team. And then you come home from work and your spouse asks you, how was your work today? And you say it was great. Um, and you don't mean to deceive them, but you also know that your spouse thought you shouldn't have left that great paying job that you had in corporate America. And so you're always selling something to somebody. So we're going to look into that. And uh, when your experience as we look at those episodes, it's going to be really, really important. Um, today, we've got a guest on board who is a good friend of mine. And um, uh, because I get to know him in Jakarta, and Jakarta is such a special place for me, he, even though Ron and I haven't spent a ton of time together, we spent some good, meaningful time on both sides of the Pacific Ocean. But he was uh, one of the very first entrepreneurs that I met in Indonesia. And uh, I get to bring my family over. And his wife, Grace, who is awesome, who's involved in entrepreneurship ministry herself, got together and just that's been really cool to be involved in what Ron has done or what God has done through Ron over the last 10 years. And uh, Ron's a guy that can talk about the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur too. And we'll get into some of that. But in the meantime, Ron, thank you very much for joining. Awesome to have you. Glad to be here. Good. So we've got um, a guy that uh, that I, I, I know a whole bunch about about his business I've had in full disclaimer. Um, we invested early on and he himself is an investor through an initiative called RKMB that he'll talk a little bit about. But um, one of the things that most people will not know, uh, and we should let the most important stuff take priority. We saw an interview that you're a big Star Wars fan. Is that true? <laughs> and is there some weird overlap between that sci-fi stuff and working in tech? You know, I, I just know that I really, really want to have a lightsaber. You know, I think that's just one of the things that, you know, that really is so cool about Star Wars. Um, and I, I've just been following the show. Is there a color that you want? I, I want one of those like uh, blue ones, but I want one that can really cut something, Andrew. I want something that can like, I want to cut fruits with a, <laughs> a lightsaber perhaps <laughs> lightsaber. or something. <laughs> that's but, awesome. Uh, I think back to the, there's this viral YouTube video of a guy with his lightsaber. Do you remember that? It was like a TikTok video or something like it wasn't before TikTok. And the guy had this great thing where he was showing off his lightsaber that he'd bought and uh, did all these spin moves. And it was really cool. Some, some, some portion of our audience is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Some portion of our audience is now going to look for it on YouTube and will be you know, about 30 seconds away from laughing very hard. And some uh, portion of our audience just doesn't care. But um uh, I want to, it's just, it's great to have you on. There's so many different facets. We can take this. I want when to lead us off though, and give us, uh, it, it, and, and lead us through a bit about what you do. And then toward the end, I want to come back in. I want to talk about the broader space and the journey of an entrepreneur, but when lead us off, please. Sure. Yeah. I guess, uh, as someone who isn't as acquainted with you, I guess and a lot of listeners may not be too. Um, let's start from the beginning. Uh, so I heard about Hacktivate, uh, your business in Indonesia, which is a developer bootcamp. And, um, after being a tech leader in the industry, why did you decide to set up and focus on upcoming developers? So what's the heart behind it and the big why? 
And I think there's just really something special about being able to work with uh, different people and unlocking opportunities for people. And I think like um, in Indonesia specifically, um, you know, we just didn't have a lot of options for people to become developers. Um, as the tech ecosystem wanted to grow, we didn't have enough people uh, that were able to create these apps. And so Hacktivate was really initially born out of a need to have more developers in Indonesia. But along the way, I think for me, it's also been a very rewarding journey just to see people, you know, for coming from a place that where they were really insecure and not sure if that they wanted to do coding to be able to, uh, to graduate, you know, with flying colors and also now to lead development teams in all these big companies. It's exciting to be part of that story and that journey for a lot of people. So um, let's kind of visualize, like, so let's take Bob. Um, okay, so how does Bob find Hacktivate? And then kind of what is the program like? And then kind of what is the after part? You know, you've said they've gone to work with some big companies. And like, what's the time that they're with you? How does it all work? Yeah, so a lot of times I think people, um, you know, find us really uh, because they wanted to join the tech industry and they might have been from, you know, other verticals of life, perhaps in sales and marketing, but then they wanted to sort of, you know, hit this uh, startup bug, uh, you know, wanted to create their own startup or cre create something on their own. Um, you know, they might have heard about us from, um, you know, just perhaps their friends or just companies that are hiring from us. And then um, what ends up happening um, is that once they join our program, uh, we're with them for about 12 to 16 weeks. Um, and we turn them from absolute beginners until they become job ready. And it's a, it's a, it's a really unique process. It's, it's a boot camp, so it is really hard. But alongside that, you know, they're, they're equipped with uh, counselors as well, sort of to help them overcome all the other parts that are blockers into learning quickly. Things like, you know, overcoming your imposter syndrome. How do you uh, talk with your inner critic and all these different things that we mix together. And at the output of that is somebody that's really, um, you know, really good with being able to learn quickly and also pick up new technology fairly quickly and also become a team player when they join into a, a new organization. And so that's what we're really trying to build. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so was there a particular person or like that sticks out in your mind that you've journeyed with and just kind of like a success story that you can share with us? Yes. So... During the pandemic, actually, there's this guy. Um, his name is Ahmad Waluyo. Um, we we worked through with him. Um, you know, how do I start with this one? So um, maybe it's important to also add a context that we also do this thing at Hacktivate called the income share agreement, where people that that might not have the means to be able to pay for um, learning at Hacktivate, we basically allow them to go through the program uh, in exchange. So once that they are placed into a job, then we start. Um, you know, collecting uh, payment for the tuition. And so this enables us to really get a lot of people that don't have the means to pay to just go through the program first. Um, and during the pandemic, there's uh, this student of ours, Ahmad Baluyo, he had uh, basically, you know, dropped out of university because he couldn't continue to pay for it. He had been uh, laid off from his job as well. Um, and he had to sell his motorcycle uh, to just, you know, to, to stay afloat. And then he had so much determination. Um, he joined Hacktivate. He applied for our income share program. He went through the program um, and he became a developer. Uh, and today he 
it leads a development team as well, I believe. Um, and to just see that transformation, you know, to be able to just provide that opportunity has been so exciting for us. I mean, he there, here's a guy that was um, becoming a grab motorcycle driver, delivering things uh, to suddenly becoming a, a developer. And it's such a huge career shift. Uh, and so we're really excited for these types of stories. And there are so many of them, uh, which really also, you know, motivates us to keep going and do what we do. Yeah, I was just going to say, it must be really encouraging to see the transformation of lives. Um, actually, I, I mean, I'm listening to your business and I'm thinking, this is an impact business. This is a social impact business that, like, you know, social impact VCs would be really interested in because you're basically giving them opportunities and training and development, but just not even beyond just a skill set. Like all the other things that you tag onto it, it's really quite, yeah, like I'm like really excited about this. Uh, and I really hope that other people who are, you know, in the impact space um, hear, hear what you're doing. Um, so I guess you started with, you know, maybe a handful of people and you're kind of growing the business. Um, and a lot of people probably, and including your cohorts, want to start a business. Like what are some things that you kind of thought um, going into it and then it was just proven wrong? And you're like, man, this is not what I thought. Um, can you just share, um, yeah, a couple of um, things that you've learned in your journey? I think like, um, you, if you, and you mean about like starting starting the, the journey of becoming? Um, yeah, and then just growing and scaling and having more and more people, you know, like there's like, the, the growth part is always the hard part. Um, and you have assumptions going into it and thought you could do it or you assume certain things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, since you also, you mentioned in you're talking about what you offer up at Activate, you talked about an imposter syndrome. Uh, is that something you ever felt as you grew Activate or in, in any of your entrepreneurial ventures? Absolutely. I think like, you know, the the idea of just really, you know, feeling like everybody's so much, you know, further ahead, you know, what's the, what's the point of me trying to catch up, you know, and all, all these just self-defeating thoughts uh, really like crippled you know, uh, my motivation to even try at times. Uh, but I think what was really, really encouraging for me in, in, throughout this journey is really to have a strong community, um, you know, that surrounds me, right? And these, for me, these are people that, you know, pray with me and sort of set things right when I'm sort of not thinking straight. Because I think like being an entrepreneur, sometimes you're either very, you know, visionary or you're just very delusional and it takes, you know, somebody you really trust to sort of put you back in line, you know? Um, and, you know, thankfully I have a group of guys, you know, uh, Henry, you know, Kevin uh, and, and Mike, those guys are the ones that sort of, uh, you know, sort of put me back into emotion and like, here's, here's the truth. Here are the things that you've got to hang on to. And then, um, you know, I think that's been really uh, the thing that's, sort of kept me in sync and kept me going. And and just, you know, Ron, knowing some of that story, I also know that you've been a great contributor to their relationships as well and, and been an encouragement to them. And that's something that we don't talk about enough on our different podcasts is just the, the, the value of being in a close group of accountable people who understand um, your line of work, who are also entrepreneurs and, and you can encourage them and they can encourage you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I heard that you were part of an FDE group as well, like back in the day and just being with the group of founders. I think sometimes people feel like it's not a safe space if you were to talk to, and, and that's kind of like, you know, it breeds the whole isolation issue that you feel like you can't share, you can't be vulnerable. Um, and so I guess these are very trusted advisors, but then like journeying with other entrepreneurs and potentially in the FDE group, how have you found that experience? I think like we started an FDE group and um, I think, you know, everybody sort of resonated uh, in terms of, 
you know, being an entrepreneur is really a lonely journey. It's really hard to really share about struggles that we might have. And I think, um, you know, one of the harder parts of starting that group was really how do we be vulnerable to each other and really start opening, you know, and looking at our businesses as ways you know, of how we're using these businesses to really serve God. Um, I think it was really interesting. I think we had to do, go through a lot of icebreakers, but then, you know, throughout the, I think, eight-week session, you know, people were just pouring out, you know, really, uh, and, and really just grew trust really quickly throughout that process. Um, it, it was great, really. Um, made a lot of new friends as well. Well, thank you for the support and the encouragement on that. And for those who are listening to this and saying, what's an FDE group? On the website, you'll find uh, these community groups and there's a group finder. You can find them locally in your city. Maybe this is something you might bring to your own church, but where you can get together and encourage other faith-driven entrepreneurs along the idea of these 12 marks, the call to create the identity in Christ, being joyfully generous, excellence, et cetera. And so, uh, Ron, thanks for making the pitch there. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Um, Ron, I want to uh, ask you a little bit about some of the lessons you've learned, knowing a bit about your story. We got to spend a little bit of time here in the States during the pandemic, though you also came back to Indonesia, of course, about what it was like for you to lead during the pandemic, what was it like being an entrepreneur and leading a team and having all these people that you're trying to support and encourage, like the gentleman you mentioned just a little bit ago? What was, what was that like for you? I think it was just really um, something really unexpected, really. I mean, you know, to, to give context, we had right before the pandemic, we had just, you know, uh, closed our fundraising round. Things were just awesome. Everything was, you know, sky high. Everything was awesome. Great. Um, but then just three months later, uh, the pandemic came. And for us at the time, we were very much a physical school business. We had a school uh, that students came in to learn. And, you know, overnight, we got a letter of, you know, from the, uh, the, the city, basically, that we couldn't open. Right. And then, you know, and so we had to switch all of our businesses online. Um, and then suddenly, you know, our business, which really relied on having employers hire our students, everybody just stopped hiring. All of a sudden, people were just on a hiring freeze just to see how the pandemic would uh, pan out. And for me, you know, it was a, a sudden crisis that sort of happened, you know, in a, in a matter of days, I felt. Um, and there were no books. There are no guides to sort of help us. How do you, you know, run a business through a pandemic? At times, I really felt very, um, just really scared. It was kind of like nav trying to navigate a ship without a compass uh, type of feeling. And um, I, I was just really struggling with my faith at the time, really trying to figure out, God, if this is what you wanted me to do, then, you know, why did all these different things happen? You know, what, why, you know, and wh why do we have to make all these tough decisions to, you know, um, you just do so many uh, things that are just so hard to do uh, as a leader. And, um, you know, I just went through a lot of anxiety during that period, Andrea. I, I started journaling a lot. Um, I started uh, writing, you know, journals to 3 a.m., uh, just, you know, pouring out like, you know, I'm ready to give up type of things or like, I, you know, just, just, just stress through the roof. Uh, but really, you know, again, um, I think it's really important to emphasize that having a community and having a group of other guys really helped me uh, sync up and really 
um, you know, sent me back straight, right? It was kind of like, look, you're, you're going off on a, you know, crazy tangent, you know, come back to this. These are the, these are the truths from the Bible. Um, these are the things that you can hang on to and that, you know, um, we're just venturing through this um, together and that I'm not alone through this journey. And, and those things were just so comforting for me. Um, and even now looking back, you know, at these journals, you know, there, every step of the way of all those anxieties and panics, you know, I, I knew that God was there at those moments. So it's, it's just so beautiful to see it from now from a perspective of, you know, we're like a few months ahead and things are sort of back to normal. Um, and you can really see God's work during those crises for me. So you've had some, you've had some really great success. I mean, you were developing apps for the BlackBerry app. Uh, the BlackBerry device, uh, even before the iPhone. So you saw the emergence of apps and, and that was a really successful company. And then you've had um, organizations like Tasteris. Give us, give us a flyover from what you're learning about through the, through the, the big wins and, and, and how you stay humble if, if indeed you were able to, and then also how you just avoid the, the, the depths of despair um, with uh, things like Tasteris. You know, it, it's it's uh, the Taster story. I think the context uh, before that is really about the initial startup of that BlackBerry app. The, the, when I launched that BlackBerry app in the beginning, we actually launched accidentally. This is before Tasters. It was an app called Domicado. I had shared a beta uh, version of the application to a few friends and families. And I just said, look, uh, if you want, you can share it to some friends just to test it out. And this is like 5 p.m. in the afternoon. I was just getting ready to go back home. I had sent it to maybe like 50, 60 people. And then by 8 p.m. at night, I had a notification that said, hey, uh, your server is down. And then I checked the server to see what's going on. And there's like 5,000 people uh, already having the app. And so we launched accidentally. Uh, and, you know, in the, in the next few days, you know, things just uh, went sky high. Wait a second. Um, at five o'clock, you sent out to 50 or 60 people. And by eight o'clock that night, you had like 5,000 people hitting the server? Yes. This is viral. This is what they call it, viral. It went viral. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was on Twitter and everything. And, and we're like, this is a beta app. But, you know, we didn't even put a paywall on this yet. Uh, things like that. And uh, it, it just it just did really well. Uh, I think at the at the peak of it, we had 170,000 uh, downloads. Um, and we had zero marketing because we didn't even plan for marketing yet. It was just to make sure the app works. Um, and that was really the success story, the, the first part. And so... Um, now, when Tasteris came into the picture, uh, you know, a year later, uh, you know, I was already so confident. I was a young kid. I was like, yeah, we'll hit like 5,000 within 24 hours for sure. Right. And we launched the app. And then I think we got like less than a thousand downloads. And we're like, and I was like, oh, no, what did we do wrong? It's kind of like uh, I was just initially I was just so full of pride. Like, yeah, well, this will go really well. But then what did the app, what did what did Tasteris do? And Tasters was an app that allowed people to take pictures of their food. We wanted to create a location-based menu so that when somebody wanted to eat a specific dish, they can just search for it. And then we'll have the loca- the picture of the food and then the, the geolocation of it around Jakarta just to see where you can get the best one. Um, and the, and what, what, what we got instead was a data point of, you know, every everybody just eating different variations of fried rice. And it, it wasn't like, you know, the cool, you know, artisan salads and like all these cool dishes that we wanted was like, okay, maybe we've got to redo this and rethink again. How do we, you know, 
get to the right data sets that we wanted. Uh, but it was an ex- interesting experience for me. It was just, uh, you know, I wasn't humble at all. Uh, I was absolutely like, yeah, this is going to be a walk in the park. And, and then it was a, a big learning lesson <laughs> right after that. So how do you bounce back from the learning lessons? I mean, like, you know, they're, they're like the really big highs. So like, and, and the story of just being unexpected, like it's so, we come across it so often. So many entrepreneurs come on the podcast and like, yeah, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Um, but then it's kind of like, how do you then bounce back from the depths? And even the more recent ones, you know, just um, bouncing back from what happened during the pandemic. Um, you know, I, I really think it, it really comes back down uh, to having a strong um you know, keeping yourself in the word, um, having a strong community to really surround you and to really pr- uh, pray with you, um, you know, through through the disappointments, unmet expectations. Um, I mean, I, I think that there's always a lesson to be learned through um, the different uh, things that we go through, right? Especially those those unexpected moments where we wanted something, we got something else completely. Um, and it's how we bounce back from those disappointments um, you know, I think for me, it's really been uh, about having a strong community to really help me, um, to really pray alongside me. So this concept of community and a faith-driven community is something that is uh, kind of permeated your family because grace is involved now in, mm-hmm. in entrepreneur, entre, excuse me, entrepreneurship initiatives that promote community. Tell us a little bit about uh, what she does and building on the lessons that you've learned in working with uh with with uh, Kevin and Michael, yeah. So Grace works uh, in this organization called Resource Global. Uh, she helps a lot of uh, young leaders out here in Indonesia to be able to uh, work alongside mentors and other people that might have gone through, uh, you know, running and scaling a business before, and sort of be able to speak into uh, these students' lives so that they too can also have like a uh, faith. Uh, perspective when they run their businesses or their family businesses that might have been handed over to them by their families. And so I think, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, I I think like it really comes down about uh, being humble. I think like, you know, a lot of times like we start um, just thinking that we can do so many things on our own where when, when when the rubber hits the road, it's, it's really really tough, right? And I think, you know, again, support systems, uh, crucial, crucial, crucial relationships, you know, those are the things that are uh, essential to be invested early on. Uh, so that when when trouble comes, I think, you know, th- th- there's that system that supports. Yeah. And just circling back to kind of just family. I mean, I'm, I'm the wife of an entrepreneur. Um, my dad was an entrepreneur. So being in a family, um, like, for young entrepreneurs or, you know, I mean, entrepreneurs with families, like how much, like, wh- is there any wisdom that you can share, like going through the depths of despair and then having your family there as well and just trying to keep balance and keeping, you know, kind of optimistic. And then how does, how do you not that, let that bleed into, yeah, the family life? I, I think like, um, you know, for me and, for my immediate family, maybe just like, you know, with my kids and things like that, you know, I've, 
I've been very good about setting boundaries um, in terms of work. Um, you know, we have this thing where we actually stop working at six o'clock. You know, we want people to go home, spend time with their families and things like that. Um, we want to have space so that we can ask our kids, what were your highs and lows of the day? And then, you know, what are you going to be doing tomorrow? And how are you going to look at, you know, your day tomorrow a bit differently than today? You know, just these small things um, to really keep a good perspective at home. Um, you know, I think it's cool that, you know, I get to share with my kids what I'm doing as well. I, I don't, sometimes I don't know if they fully understand what I'm doing. Um, and, but then at the same time, it's, it's just uh, reassuring to just have my kids even pray for me uh, from time to time. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. How old are your children? My, my children are seven and nine years old. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, like integrating them into the realities is what I think it's not much shielding them that everything is all, you know, sunny and rosy, um, but then involving them even, you know, when it's downtime. So I think that's really amazing and preparing them that life isn't going to be, yeah, you know, smooth sailing all the way and having a great role model uh, in you to see how you then go through it. So thank you for sharing. I know this is very personal, but I'm sure it's something that a lot of entrepreneurs and people listening in um, also struggle with, um, especially at the early stages when you're like struggling. Um, there's not much revenue, you know, like you have uh, expenses, you know, to pay the bills and you have children and everything. It's, it's quite a lot of pressure in terms of mounting, mounting all up. Ron, uh, you're not just an entrepreneur uh, and you're not just a person supporting Grace and really sewing into the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Jakarta and Singapore and elsewhere. Uh, you're also an investor and you uh, are going to be able to speak some truth, I hope, now the pressure's on. Uh, to some faith-driven entrepreneurs that are listening to this that want to understand what kind of patterns, what you look for in companies that you invest in, what would you share with them? It's really about having a teachable heart and also, you know, being able to, you know, rally together and becoming a team player in, uh, in the products and the things that people are building. I particularly enjoy becoming an angel investor really because having gone through you know, the entrepreneurial journey myself, going through the ups and downs, there's so much wisdom that can we can really pour out to somebody that might be doing it for the first time. And I think like that's a special part of being an uh, in, in, in investor and, and you're an entrepreneur yourself, right? Being able to just share the unique perspectives that we can bring to the table. Well said, well said. And I think that, um, that being an entrepreneur yourself and understand what it takes to delight a customer, what it takes to bring a product to market, what it takes to recruit, and retain employees, um, I think really makes you a great investor. So uh, I followed some of your investments and and uh, and uh, thank you for that. Okay, we're going to enter into a part of the podcast that I love and Wen also now loves it, which is lightning round. <laughs> I'm going to love it. <laughs> She's going to love it. She's going to love it. Ron, my hope is that you love it. I'm sure the audience is going to love it. Lightning round is a number of very fast questions and you only get 30 seconds to, to answer back. Um, and you'll know it's over when one asks you something about scripture at the end. But until then, you're in the hot seat. Okay, you ready to start? Okay, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Your favorite Star Wars character and why? A baby Yoda. Uh, just because it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Love Dude, it. After all, the whole thing with the lightsaber. I don't know. Did baby Yoda ever? <laughs> he has a lightsaber, lightsaber, right? You know, did he? I think, it's a I think powerful just... baby Yoda. Yeah, baby Yoda. <laughs> okay, 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 great. Okay, next one. Uh, when I think of you, I think of uh, one of my favorite food items of all time, beef rundown, because you and I had it together. 
And but I'm going to ask you, uh, coming out of Tasters, uh, what is your favorite food? It has to be durian. It's, I, I love yes. it. You oh know, it, in fact, if I can, um, you know, if one day if I retire, I want to have a durian farm. It's a, it's a life goal. <laughs> That's it. So uh, we're going to be able to uh, bifurcate our audience. But people who really love durian are really part of Fate Driven Entrepreneur Asia. Those who've not yet <laughs> developed a taste for it, like me, are just we're just wannabes. We're just pretenders. Okay, I, I've had durian candy before, and I want to like durian so badly. Uh, okay, next one. Um, what's a charity or ministry that you and Grace like to give to, and why? Uh, I think recently it's been. Uh, Actually, to Grace's uh, uh, to Grace's ministry, uh, really, uh, to, that one really because it, it invests in you know people and it it, it, it takes a lot of, um, yeah. I, I, I just I just really enjoy uh, working with uh, Tommy and and the team. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's you know something something that good that they're doing, and I think we uh, we like being a part of that one. Tommy's a great, great guy, great leader, resource global, um, uh, equips leaders in cities like Jakarta, Nairobi, Chicago. I mean, it's all over the place. It's, it's great. Great answer. Okay. When off to you. Sure. What is the best part of your day? The best part of the day is actually when I get to come home and my uh, kids come, you know, and give me a hug. I think that's the best part. It's just like, a, oh, I'm done with work. And then this is a reward, sort of having dinner with my kids. Oh, maybe. I hope your kids are going to listen to this episode. If I was your child, I'd be like, yes. Um, what is a big, hairy, audacious goal for Hacktivate? What is the what? Sorry? What is your big, hairy, audacious goal? What's your BHAG for, for Hacktivate? Yeah, I, w- I want to be able to uh, be the biggest supply chain for uh, software developers in Indonesia, being able to really uh, see you know, people into all these organizations and see them build amazing things. Yeah. Right. Yeah, let's get behind that dream. Um, <laughs> if you weren't doing Hacktivate, what would you be doing right now? I, I don't know, may start a durian plantation. No. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> I love it. No, but I just, I just really love work, uh, you know, uh, investing and working alongside with people. I, if there is one thing I could keep doing again and again, it's really just, you know, uh, walking alongside other entrepreneurs, uh, really helping them, you know, see things from different perspectives and sort of help them think through what they're going through. I, I just, I just find that so rewarding, really. Yeah. Oh man, perfect answer. Um, yeah. This was not rehearsed. Um, thank you so much, Ron. And um, we like to end every episode with just what's God speaking to you about. Um, you know, it could be this week, it could be last week, it could be for the month. Um, yeah, can you just share with us? Right. Re- uh, recently, or actually even in the past few days, is actually about peace, right? And I think it's really about finding peace uh, in pieces, you know, and just really appreciating uh, all the small parts um, that we have, we can enjoy, you know, even when we go through a lot of different parts of anxiety and where things are just going wrong. I think there's still so many things we can still appreciate. Um, you know, I-, I learned really recently that, you know, it's not a path to peace it's not a destination but it's really a choice it's a path of peace and that's something that we uh continually choose uh, and and i i just um it's just been something that god's been teaching me and i've been losing my temper a, a lot um you know because things that people might do or like expectations that haven't been met things like that but it's really that um you know i can't allow those things to 
you know, robbed me away from my peace, right? And the best peace that we have is really just to know that God is walking alongside us in whatever situation that we're going through in the ups and the downs. So that's been a lesson that God's been really, really hammering home and teaching me again and again lately. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, you know, go, writing this journal for the past, you know, few years, um, looking back, you know, God is always with you. God is always walking alongside you through the anxiety, through the unmet expectations. Um, and it's just been so reassuring. It's really been strengthening my own faith and my own journey. Great answer. I love the discipline of journaling, something I've done so haphazardly I, through the grace of God. I, I have been able to develop the discipline of, of endeavoring to be in God's word every day. I love the Nikki Gumbel Bible one year app. Uh, for a long time, I went through scripture in a daily Bible study via chat with seven other guys. and It was awesome. Um, but I've not done a great job of journaling. And I think that that makes it just that much. It's like going to a, it's like going to a lecture and not taking notes right? If you don't, if you don't journal. So great discipline. That's a great encouragement to me personally. Ron, you are a great encouragement to me. You're just, a, you're an entrepreneur. You've had uh, some great wins. You've had some great losses. You're honest about all of them. You've been able to touch on the really important themes of being in community uh, with, with uh, uh, others that you can be accountable with and you can in turn be an encouragement too. I love the way that you and Grace co-create together and just the way that you're a leader in Jakarta and and, and elsewhere, it's it's it's, uh, it's been great to be with you for the last ten years, and and particularly over this last hour. Thank you. We are grateful for the opportunity to serve this community and have listeners tune in from over 100 countries. Entrepreneurship is often a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. You can find fellowship with other like-minded leaders by joining a foundation group. There's no cost, no catch. In person or online, you can meet an hour a week with peers in your area or on the other side of the world. You can also stay connected with us by signing up for our monthly newsletter at asia.faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. All this is made possible with the special help of our team and friends across the movements. Thanks to everyone leading entrepreneur groups and watch parties to spark this movement in your area. We are grateful for you. Hey, everyone. All opinions expressed on this podcast, including the team and guests, are solely their opinions. Host and guests may maintain positions in the companies and securities discussed. And this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as specific investment advice for any individual or organization. Thanks for listening.